Welcome to Season 5 of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. It is summer 2020. Maybe it feels like the apocalypse to you. I don't know, but it feels like that to me in the middle of Texas with um, just a hotbed of coronaviruses. But I'm so excited to bring to you an interview with a good friend of mine. I met Dr. Keith Misbagel um, at Fort Leavenworth. He's the superintendent of the schools there on post. And um, just from the very beginning, talking with Dr. Mispagel about just everything related to being a district that serves military families that are constantly in and out, a, a post where we move some something like 1,200 families every summer. That's a lot of families for him to bring in and ha- are transitioning into a new school system. And so we just struck up a wonderful friendship and, and getting to know how he serves families and how he serves kids. So I wanted to bring him on the podcast to spend a little bit of time with you where you could hear his heart, um, not only a teacher's heart, but a superintendent's heart of how he wants to serve military families and how he wants kids to have a really great experience in school. And now more than ever, that is just so important with everything that's happening with entering into a new school season with with a pandemic happening at the same time. So Keith, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so sorry that we left your district. I'm so (laughs) sad, but I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you um, just to spread your passion for military families and to help them get to know a little bit more of the public school side of serving military families. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm humble, humble to be a part of it. And um, it was sad to see uh, you and your family leave Fort Leavenworth, but uh, fortunate that we had a year to uh, connect and, and create a friendship that is around supporting education and military families. Well, I have to say that our time at Fort Leavenworth was short. Um, Most families spend a year there, maybe two, unless they're permanent party. We only got to spend a year there. And um, I, when I first met you, Keith, I I was one of those parents, right? Like so many of the other parents that come into Leavenworth or so many parents that move to a new installation who are looking into the public school system. And our family, I've not been um, shy about this on the podcast. We've moved a lot. We've transitioned a lot. My kids have transition a lot. And I was one of those parents, even though I'm a clinician that's supposed to have a lot of coping skills, I've also been public about the fact that I don't transition well. Like that's really hard for me. But I was one that was coming in with a lot of angst, a lot of worry, a lot of concern for my kids. And I have to say that um, our welcome into your district was so warm and inviting and immediately brought down any defenses that I had. And, And I'll be honest, that was one of the first experiences that I had had. And it just turned into a really wonderful relationship with your teachers and your schools there. And you're just doing so many things right. And so I know you're a humble person. You don't know how much you'll um, agree to all that, but it was a really good experience. And so what I'd love to do, what I'd love to start with today is um, tell everybody a little bit about your journey um, as a teacher um, and your passion for kids and how that's gotten to where you are now as a superintendent for District 207 there at Fort Leavenworth. 
Okay, thank you. I uh, appreciate the opportunity as well. As I mentioned before, uh, my, my journey started. Uh, I, I grew up in Colorado, uh, not, not a military uh, a brat in any sense of the term. Uh, my, my relationship to the military uh, was, was not through growing up. My, my dad was uh, enlisted out of high school and served in Vietnam for four years uh, and then uh, got out of the Army. And, and that was my only uh, introduction to military from that aspect. Uh, but moving to Kansas to play college baseball in a small liberal arts college, Bennington College, met my wife, and, and now we call that home for our five boys. Uh, when I graduated as an elementary education major, I did a lot of substitute teaching in Fort Leavenworth and the surrounding areas right out of college. And fr from that first year of, of teaching, I fell in love with Fort Leavenworth, uh, the, the traditions, the, the historical aspect, the culture, the support, the, the true dedication to education. And so I was hired on the next year as a first grade teacher at one of the uh, elementary schools, MacArthur, here on the installation. And um, re really didn't know much about military families other than the, the love for education. And, and over the, uh, so this is my going on my 23rd year in education and, and 22nd year at Fort Leavenworth, uh, have grown to understand so many challenges that, that our military families face. Uh, Fort Leavenworth here has about a 50% turnover for our school district population. Uh, so out of 1900 students preschool through ninth grade, we, we lose about 50% every year. And uh, in a in a three year period, roughly, we, we turn over almost all of them because permanent party change out every three to four years as well. So quite a bit of transition. Uh, and that's been kind of our, our model, our motto, our goal is to re relieve some of the stress, some of the anxiety, some of the challenges that transition brings uh, with our families. And, and, and Corey, from, from day one, when you and I started talking and you shared some of those uh, initial uh, uh, challenges or, or fears or what is this school district going to show, uh, that, that's what we try and alleviate. Uh, we're, we're, we're not perfect. Um, my whole interest in some of our conversations was how do we get better? Uh, every family has uh, different questions, different needs. Uh, uh, every uh, educational system across the, the states and, and the world are different than, than Kansas. And so we, we want to try and do the best we can for all of the families that arrive here, whether they're here for uh, one year, three years, or their, their entire educational career, we want to try and make an impact that, that is lasting and, and positive. Uh, and, and well, Keith, if I can just say, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you, because when you say that the turnover is a 50%, that is significant, right? It is, I'm sure, hard for any public school to deal with new students, outgoing students, to figure out how to transition. I know there's a lot of schools, especially surrounding military installations, that really want to find better ways to welcome in those military families and help that transition be a little bit more smooth. But when you say 50% 
you know, or more sometimes I would think of your student population transitions out. That's an overhaul. Like, I just want to point that out. That is a massive overhaul, not just for, you know, the families coming in and coming going, but I just imagine for your teachers, for your staff um, to kind of have to gear up. I mean, not to mention the grief that they may have to go through every year of losing their students, but then to have to muster up that energy to welcome in a whole new set of kids. You know, I picture like one of your teachers who, you know, it's, 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 it takes a lot of intention, I think, to welcome and integrate one child into the classroom. But when the, like half the classroom is new, right? That just takes a whole other level of energy. So I just want to point that out. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you because you guys have had to embrace this. You've had to embrace this transition and figure out how do we do this well? So um, share, actually, before we get into that, I would love for you to unpack, you got your doctorate, Mm -hmm. um, explain to everybody what you got your doctorate in and why you chose it. Okay, sure. Uh, it, it, my, my interest is always a, a, a lifelong learner. And, and so in pursuit of my, my doctorate, uh, after my, my master's in educational specialist degree was, was really to dig a little deeper into uh, the, the military family, military culture and transition. So my dissertation uh, topic related to uh, mobile military families uh, and educational academic success of students. And and so it was a qualitative study uh, that I really wanted to dig in and find out how how are mobile military families, the transition many times so successful in in light of the, the moves. And so there were uh, five five families that that uh, were selected and volunteered to be a part of it that had a fifth grade student that had moved at least three times by their fifth grade year that had had been very successfully uh, academically and moved and, and so I dug in to find out what what were some of those aspects uh, and and it, it was it was very impactful for me to truly understand and I think that's a, a topic that uh, we, we've maybe overlooked historically as as maybe society uh, or or even education is is the the resiliency that it takes to be a child right now uh, mm-hmm. ha- has been greater than than any time in the past so our our mobile military connected students have a resiliency that uh, is is just part of them that helps them be successful and, and so those are two factors that were very significant. Uh, in in the success of mobile military kids academically. And so that was what my dissertation focused on, uh, which also helped drive some of the the things that we're doing for families, uh, knowing that we have a high transition rate every year. Uh, My goal and and my focus for all the staff in the district is that, that we have sometimes only 10 months to make the biggest impact on every single child. How do we do it? And uh, every child is different, has different needs, whether uh, that's social, emotional, academic, behavioral. Um, how do how do we have every child remember Fort Leavenworth, remember education, and and fondly look at the next step in their life? Um, I, as, as a learner, I, I wasn't the best student. I was average at best, uh, hyperactive, uh, didn't didn't like to sit still. Um, but but worked hard uh, as I needed to, but but wished I had some additional support when I was growing up to say, okay, here's you as an individual. How how, how do we help Keith? And and so that's kind of a focus, like you mentioned, Corey. We have so many that come in 
every year that are new, we, we believe in relationships as, as one of the, the very most important things that staff and teachers uh, create with our students. And, and we have a phenomenal teaching staff here uh, that, that is dedicated to understanding and creating a positive relationship and learning their kids because uh, we, we want them to know that they're important here, whether they're here for a short period of time or a long period of time. Uh, that that's that's a, a true relationship for us. Well, and I would like to kind of point out some of the things that I think you guys are doing really right. You know, this is about, um, I really want those of you that are listening to hear this from the perspective of, you know, a lot of times we as parents, we only know our own side. And, you know, that's part of relationships, right? A good, healthy relationship is not only to be self-aware and know what you're bringing to the relationship, but it's often about stopping and listening and getting to know the other side of the relationship as well. And we, I will be the first to say that because we have moved as many times as we've moved, because we've had issues with our kids within the school system with bullying and all kinds of just navigating being an EFMP family, even um, with you know certain IEPs for how to handle what's going on with him medically. Um, it can bring, you know, when you're bringing a lot of stress to the relationship, we can tend to kind of become that bulldozer you know, in the relationship and see the public school system or maybe even a private school system as this relationship where it's where we're consumers, right? It can be very easy to go into the relationship and go, what are you going to do for me, right? right? right. What are you going to do for my kid? And I know, and I get it that we tend to do that out of a feeling of desperateness. We do it out of feeling out of defensiveness because maybe you're coming from a school district where um, things weren't handled um, well, or maybe you didn't understand why they handled things way that they did. And so those of you that are listening, I really wanted to bridge that gap a little bit with this conversation and and try to get to know behind the scenes a little bit better of what the school system is going through, what those teachers are going through each year and some lessons learned of what we can all do a little bit better. And so, um, Keith, I just want to kind of point out and say to everybody, you know, first impressions are huge. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've all been the part of, uh, been a part of a first impression where you didn't realize that it was a first impression and it went really bad and you have a hard time making up for it, you know, but um, first impressions really do matter. And, um, and it's impossible for us to all get it right. And that's where we need to be graceful and get to know the relationship that we're entering. But I will say, um, Keith, when I came into your district, you know, I, I did have that defensive posture. We had just moved. You know, those of you who are listening who've talked to me, uh, who have heard me talk about Maslow's ladder and how we're really at the bottom rung of that ladder of basic needs. And it's really hard to find yourself in a place where you can relationally have relational conversations and build relationships when you're thinking about your basic needs. But that's that tends to be where that first impression happens with the school system, right? When you're trying to establish order and routine and still trying to find, meet your basic needs and you're not quite in the headspace to build a relationship, but that's actually what's happening in that moment. And so Keith, I will tell you at the student orientation or the, the parent orientation where we were coming into the school for the first time, I entered your middle school and not only was the system amazing for integrating and transitioning that many students at that big of an orientation, right? Like the whole school is showing up to get their schedule and sign up for a bus and, and whatever. Um, but in, in that, what I'm, what I'm going to call chaos, it was not chaos. It was a well-run factory. Let me just tell you, it was so done well, but I will tell you in my own personal chaos of that moment of 
thinking it was going to be a hot mess and then kind of being in the shock that it wasn't, right? <laughs> I was in this headspace of just trying to get all my paperwork turned in and figure out what was happening for my son for the school year. Um, somebody asked me, um, is my child EFMP and does he have any um, IEPs or any um, procedures or forms that the school needs to know about? And I was so prepared for a, yes, he does, then great, let your teacher know. Like that's like on the first day of school. Like that's what I was prepared for. But instead, again, I'm in this chaos moment inside my head, right? Instead, they took me by the hand and took me straight to the principal of the middle school and said, he wants to know. He wants to sit down and talk with you about what's going on with your child so that he is fully aware of who is in his school, the needs of your student, and how we can best serve you. And I like literally burst into tears <laughs> because just like you said, it was about building a relationship. And I, I even... I kind of pushed back when they did it. I don't know why I did, but I pushed back and said, you know, maybe this is not the time and you guys are busy and I'm sure the principal needs to make sure that all this is running well. Like I was making all these excuses and they're like, no, 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 he has the time. And sure enough, I sat down with that principal. It was a brief but beautiful meeting of just saying, here's what's going on with my son. He's got a mold, mold allergy, you know, and immediately he let me know the state of the school, the state of, you know, whether or not it had mold or not, or just like, you know, that he received my IEP and that he would make sure to connect with me once school got started. And I have to tell you, you know, Keith, it's about modeling that relationship. And I think you guys, because of how you have prepared your teachers and staff for that relationship coming first, it immediately, um, it just warms my heart. I don't know how else to say it. And so I just want to say thank you for modeling that and teaching that and leading the way in that relationship. Cause I think that's the mature side, right? In a mature, healthy relationship, we decide at some point we have to decide, are we going to, whoever on either side, who's going to be the mature one to lead out well. Right. And, and I appreciate that. We, and I think it's fair when you, when you think about any enrollment process and, and I, I haven't been to others across the country or for, for um, our, our military spouses in other districts, though I work with schools all across the country through a couple of different national organizations. Um, I, I hear chaos is, is part of it. And, and so what we've tried to do, knowing that it's a, it's a fast and furious day or two days and that enrollment process and registration that we try and make it as like organized chaos. Uh, one of the one of the very first conversations, Corey, that you and I had was was a, a dialogue about uh, walls that can be put up and, and how do we break those down. And um, we we recognize that when families come here, they're advocating for their child, and, and that's whether it's uh, for um, certain classes or uh, certain housing or, or uh, special education or, or health needs or any, anything across the gamut that the parents are the best advocate for their, their children. And we expect that, uh, that, that means that in some cases, defenses are up. What, what I've learned over, over time is we, we need to also recognize that and, and, and talk through that and communicate through that. You know, I, I've, I've been in conversations where it's, a back and forth, and it could be defensive. Well, it's it's not about me. I, I've I've not had a family come in purposely uh, with with uh, defenses up, saying Keith, you you've done this, and and we need to talk about it. it it's more about 
some experiences that may have been in the past or some challenges or concerns that a family is expressing in that way. And so from a, from a school district standpoint, it, it was important for, for me to understand from, from you, Corey, and when we had the panel uh, of, of military to discuss, okay, what should a school expect? Uh, that, that it's, how, how can we help? Uh, we're, we're not perfect I, and, and uh, we'll, we'll always try to be perfect. I, I set a goal for all staff that, that we wanna achieve perfection. And, and that's an unreachable goal in the sense that nobody's perfect. But, but as I've shared with my staff, if I set a goal of, of 90% and we get to 89%, yeah, we, you know, we, we did well. But if I set a goal for perfection and we get to 95%, 97%, look how much closer we got. And, and uh, so our, our work of collaborating and communicating and, and help break down the walls that, that come with transition or fears and, and, and anxiousness and just education uh, and, and helping our parents understand that we want the best for their kids too. That's, that's our number one. Um, we, we have to communicate that well. And uh, what I've talked with my administrative team about and, and our teachers and staff who, who really truly are dedicated is we can't rely on the fact that uh, people say and in, in our in our scores and things show that we're we're a good school district, that being a good school district is something that we we need to continue to work at doing, but we also have to morph and change. And and by changing, if we continue to do the same things every year that have been good year after year without adjustments when new families come in then we may not continue to, to morph with our, our needs. And, and so really it's a revisit of, of everything every year. And, and how do we address concerns? How do we have structures and guidelines in place to make transition easy at enrollment, at, at registration? Um, we, we do a, a parent-teacher conference within the first two weeks of school at, at the elementaries and junior high. And that's not a parent-teacher conference for teachers to tell the parents about their child, it, it's just the opposite. Um, it's, it's important for us to have those days so the parents can tell the teachers about their child, how they learn best, what their learning styles are. Are they an active learner? Are they a, a, a visual learner, auditory? Um, and, and that's an important aspect for the teacher to learn from the parents how, how they've known their child to be successful. And so it's a learning process for us as well that, that really is a partnership. Um, we, we, we have uh, had instances where uh, our defenses get up, like, oh, you're questioning whether I'm doing the right thing. Well, maybe so. That's okay. We want parents to advocate, uh, we, but we also want to communicate effectively to say, listen, it's, we're, we, we are all on the same team because our number one goal is to provide the best education we can for your child while they're here. And uh, communication, relationship, and collaboration is the best way to do that. You have done a great job sharing some of the things that you guys have um, implemented. Is there any other tips or, or things that you've encouraged other districts as you've talked with them nationally about ways that they could help with transitioning students? Absolutely. I, I think... Communication again is, is a number one, and, and there's there's no amount of information that is too much to be shared, uh, as as parents are comfortable. The the more we know about students, 
and their successes, their challenges, their 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 needs for support, uh, their their likes and dislikes. The, the the more we can work with the kids, because uh, as we work with such a high transition rate, we we have new students that come in, and they're the new kid, and so immediately they have to show some resiliency just to come into a new school, new classroom with new friends. Uh, breaking down those walls uh, ha- has been something that I've, I've loved to uh, observe because I, I've watched new students come into the school, walk up to a group of kids on the playground and that are already in a conversation and, and politely say, hey, hey, my name's Keith. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, where are you from? And, and now they're in the situation. Now they're, now they're creating a friend group. Um, Isn't that I have, fascinating yeah, to watch? I, yeah. yeah. And I, I have five boys myself. Um, we've, we've been then had them in the same school system from preschool and on, on up through high school. And I don't believe any of my five boys would feel comfortable doing that because they haven't had to face that because they've been in the same system uh, from the beginning. And, and that's impactful for me as, as not only a, a parent, but an educator to say, okay, how, how do we create a comfortable environment where it's okay to say, hey, hi, I'm new. And mm. um, hi, I, I, I like this. Does anybody else like this? And can I, can I just ask you to expand on that? Like, how do you create an environment it, like it, that? You know, it's, it's been a, a growing environment and um, one of our best resources to, to learn how to do this is, is, is our parents um, and, and our students of, of how they will feel comfortable. I, I meet with our student council, student councils from every school uh, each year and really ask them, what, what do you like about your school? What, what do you not like? What, what was challenging when you transitioned here? What, what do you think needs to happen to make this school better? And because I believe our student council um, are leaders. So they're in a leadership position that they were elected and voted to. Uh, and, and from those conversations and the conversations with our site councils and our parents, um, some, some ideas have come up that I, I just wasn't aware of uh, and because we hadn't had it here. And, and one of those is uh, the, the concept of buddy benches on, on playgrounds. Um, mm-hmm. a, across the country, one of the, one of the, the main concerns for, for kids is bullying. Um, and and it, it's everywhere. And, and so that's that's an opportunity to make sure that there, there isn't ongoing pervasive bullying uh, of students. And we, we create friend groups, we have social settings, and, and we get involved right away. Um, the buddy bench concept, when, and when I had one of the school's uh, student councils, it was a fifth grader that said, we need buddy benches. And I, and I, I, asked, I asked her, what, what, what's a buddy bench? And she said, at, at my old school, we had a buddy bench that if a student didn't have anybody to play with at recess, uh, because everybody else was already doing something, uh, you could go over to the buddy bench and, and, and hang out there and, and relax. And then others would know, hey, maybe that, that student wants to come play with us. And so it creates an opportunity for others to, to meet new friends. And, and, and that's, that's just one idea that came from uh, some other students. Uh, 
And what I, if I can interrupt you sure. for a second, what I love about that concept, um, there's actually, I think, a TED talk about a student who invented and created that buddy bench and, and rolled that out. Um, but what I love about that, especially for elementary school kids, is that we, even as parents, tend to think that kids developmentally know how to muster the courage in, inside of themselves and communicate appropriately, hey, I feel alone and I need somebody to talk to or to play with. And most kids don't don't developmentally have that ability yet. And so what that does is it creates that visual. Like, and it also, I think, triggers compassion in students, which is also a great developmental um, thing to be, you know, reminded of as kids, when you see that student that's over there, you know, it for, it kind of creates a forced choice, right? Will right. I be that student that reaches out and um, has leads with compassion mm -hmm. or will I be the one that turns my back and keeps doing what I'm going to do? But I think for most kids, it, it brings up that empathy of I've been there before, especially as a military kid, if, right. if it is right, I've been there before and I've been that person that sat on the bench before. And so I'm going to welcome them in. Yeah. So, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's, that wasn't an idea that, that we came up with that, that was brought to us. And, and so that's where we, we try to learn is, you know, what are, what are some other best practices that, that are good for kids and good for our mobile families? Um, how do we make kids feel good and make them feel important and leaders of the school? And uh, one of the, one of the other opportunities, because we have such a, a mobile population was was uh, uh, the idea of memory stones, you know, at the elementary, if a student is is leaving mid year or or even at the end of the year, uh, they've they've been given a memory stone from their class, and, and that memory mm -hmm. stone is an opportunity where before that child moves, uh, they they can pass the stone around where everyone in the class can say something to that student uh, that's positive. You know, I I, I like that that you were my partner on this project or. Um, I think you're you're good at basketball or, or whatever it may be, and, and so that that student can take that memory stone with them, and it's a reminder that that there are important aspects of their involvement in this district, and um, it's it's how do we help kids? And just it's it's tough to be a kid right now. It's tough to grow mm -hmm. up. It's tough to be in education, uh, and and so how can we make it easier, knowing that it's it's challenging. This is a crazy time to be alive and to run a school district um, with the coronavirus happening. And so, um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of changes. I know we were, you know, second semester, we were with you guys in, in your district on Fort Leavenworth. And again, I just want to say how great the communication was. I was part of a meeting where even the commander, the garrison commander at Fort Leavenworth was really praising and recognizing just how well you guys not only um, jumped into a new structure, a new way of teaching in that last semester, um, and really took on the challenge that we were all facing um, in a way that also met the needs of the relationships that you had with parents and students. And so um, even the garrison commander was talking about um, how well you guys did, but also that your communication was on point, that the, the frequency of communication with parents and students was not only important, but something that he leaned on and learned from you guys about. So, um, as you are facing a new school year, 
share with everybody, share with the parents listening, maybe a little bit of what it's like behind the scenes um, to try to figure out how to do a new school year with a pandemic happening with so many decisions that you have to make and so many changes. Um, Because I think that, again, this is a two-way street, right? And I think we need to hear sometimes, like, what is it that you guys are going through and what do you need from us as parents, especially as we enter into this new semester? I appreciate this topic. Uh, And my, my heart rate may have gone up a little bit as we started talking about it because it's the unknown. And, um, I, you know, as an educator, uh, it, it, it has challenges. Uh, our families face challenges, our soldiers, our students. Um, it, it's like nothing we've ever been trained for or prepared for in education. And uh, there, there wasn't a class that I took that said, hey, if, if all of a sudden there's a pandemic, here's what you need to do. Um, so, so we tried to react effectively uh, and, and purposefully to, to, to roll out the fourth quarter when the governor said Kansas schools are closed, the buildings are closed for students. Um, knowing that that was a hard time for our, our teachers too. Of, of they're, they're not able to see their students anymore. I, I had, I had staff uh, that, that would talk to me on a regular basis and, and were in tears. Um, it, it was the, the blood, sweat and tears time of, of how do we finish this year successfully and still continue relationships. Uh, we wanted to be mindful of, of parents' time at home, of kids' time, of confidentiality, of, of personal space. So we were protective on, uh, uh, how we how we used Zoom for face to face. We we were uh, cautious on trying to do everything right, but but also trying to let the the the, the students know we, we still care about you. We 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 miss you. We want to be a part of it. Um, and, and so that the relationship, social, emotional piece was a very significant aspect of what we tried to do for the fourth quarter of the school year. Um, the, the academic side, uh, we, we had support and, and guidelines, recommendations from the State Department, which I think they did across the country, but, but it's never a one-size-fits-all, here's your plan, everybody's going to do it the same way, and it's going to work magically for everybody. Uh, so so we, we had to, to react on the fly, and uh, we, we worked hours and hours on end, you know, 18, 19 hours a day for several days. I'll, I won't forget it over, over spring break, uh, trying to get a plan ready for our, for our students to, to then receive news at the end of that spring break, two days before we're getting ready to roll out that there was a major change and we had to start over. And so uh, wow. what was, what was most important and beneficial for us as a district was the patient's flexibility and, and, and understanding of our families because it really impacted everyone. Um, so, so even moving forward to this fall, uh, I, I am, I am committed and, and hopeful, even though hope is not a method that we will be back to brick and mortar education. That's what we're planning on. And quite frankly, that's easy. If we can do brick and mortar and, and we get back to what we've done, that's, that's the easy transition. However, we know that it won't be that easy, that it'll all be 100% brick and mortar. Uh, so, so we need to, to figure out what a potential hybrid would look like that may include brick and mortar in-person education as well as possible the digital uh, as a hybrid. Or what if there is a now another change where at least in Kansas, the governor says school buildings are closed for a month. What does that look like? So we're, we're making contingency plans for the unknown. 
so that we, we're, we're working towards, you know, I, I'd rather play offense than defense and being prepared to say, okay, here's the guideline, the restriction, let's roll this out. Uh, here's the change that just came across from the state or, or nationally. Here's this, here's this plan we roll out. Um, that, that will still involve asking our, our parents to continue to advocate for their child, obviously, but, but also continue to be, be flexible, be patient and, 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 and help us help them in, in their, in their education for their child. You know, I I keep hearing you say how you talk with your staff and your teachers about how it's about building relationships and taking care of the kids and um, getting to know the parents and what those needs are. And you have such a servant heart in that. But I also know that you are leading out um, a district of staff and teachers and, um, and that takes knowing you know, who you're leading, right. And, and knowing what their needs are. And so what could we do as parents, you know, I mean, across the nation, I think, I think that what you're trying to implement this year is a lot, what um, a lot of school districts are trying to be prepared for too, right. They're, they're all kind of, I'm hearing across the board, looking at brick and mortar or kind of that hybrid or potentially going fully online again. And I know that creates a ton of anxiety for us parents at home because we don't, we also don't know what to expect. And some of us are, don't feel like we were called to be teachers and yet, and there's all that shame and guilt as parents too, right? So we're coming in like, I want to give my children back to school because you guys are so much better at it than I am. But at the same time, maybe as a parent, I should know how to do this, you know? And so there's so much angst for everybody. I'm sure for your teachers as well, because they didn't sign up to become, you know, a teacher, um, because they wanted it all to be online, right? That's not what they wanted to do from the beginning. They wanted to build those relationships with students. So could you share a little bit about what you're getting from your teachers and your staff um, of what they need as we go into this school year? What do we parents need to know on how we can better build a relationship with the teachers and the staff of the school that our kids are about to go to so we know where they're at in all of this? That's a that's a great question, and, and I I I think the one of the best ways to to approach that is uh, an understanding that even we as educators uh, ha- have some angst. Even you know, as, as I sit here as superintendent, uh, wanting to be the, the 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 true leader, the the force behind every every strong action that we take that's best for our families. Um, I, I still have some angst to make sure, am I covering everything? Am, am I able to make sure that I've, I've dotted every I and crossed every T? And, and that's, that's kind of unnerving because I know I haven't. And, and so while we'll, con- while we'll continue to strive for, for perfection and excellence, um, the, the support and, and the, the understanding of our families will also be important. And sharing, sharing how their kids learn sharing challenges that they have, the vulnerabilities. And, and I, I've encouraged my staff to also um, be, be vulnerable. And, and, and it's, it's not a sign of weakness, in, in my opinion, to be able to say, this is hard for me. And um, I've, I've never faced this before, but, but we're going to get through it. I, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to put in every minute of work necessary. Uh, my, my administrators, my deputy who's working on even the hybrids right now, hours and hours a day with a team uh, to try and plan for the unknown uh, is something we're going to continue to do. And, and so when our, when our families are able to share 
their own challenges uh, of, of their kids. I, I, I had one parent contact me uh, to, to say, you know, Keith, I, I, this is hard. Can, can we please have a Zoom from, from the teacher? My two kids are having a challenge. I've got an elementary and a junior high kid. Um, so immediately my mindset was, wow, that elementary child's probably having a hard time. And, and that wasn't it. The parent said, my junior high student has cried every day because they, they can't talk to staff. They're not used to not being social. And, and, I, and I didn't even think about it. I immediately went to the elementary student. And, and so that vulnerability or that, that conversation of, you know, that was important. So I could reach out to the principal and say, listen, we're, we're not rolling out Zoom to every class yet, but we need to make sure that we're finding which students need some support right now. And uh, that, that comes through, through communication. And we, we want to be able to make changes, uh, uh, make adjustments on the fly, and, and know that to do something for the entire district, it may not be a perfect fit for every child, but we're, we're sure going to try, by golly, to, to make it as best fit as possible. But we have to have a baseline of, of, of how that, that works. And, and so the, the, the families this year, I, I couldn't have been happier. Um, I, well, I, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that it was very successful. I know the garrison commander and, and general Rainey, Lieutenant general Rainey is the CG uh, were a great support. They communicated and, and it couldn't have gone better. I still had angst that, we were doing enough that um, it was, it was supportive for our families and uh, families had the same angst. Like, is my child going to be okay educationally when, when we move on, Corey, that might've been a, a question or concern you have, you know, not being in school for the last quarter of school. How, how is my child going to be successful now that we've had to move away? Uh, the, the response that I've, I've, I've shared with families is uh, for, fourth quarter to go through something like no one's ever gone through educationally like this was the best time to, to test the waters. Uh, the, the academic standards and critical standards that, that all schools across the country focused on for the first three quarters uh, set our students up for success. And the startup of next school year, there, there will be some challenges. As I know, our staff are coming back in, in about four weeks to start our school year, one of my first conversations with them is going to be, don't expect exactly like we've always had in the past. We've had students that haven't sat in a desk or chair for, for four or five months. If our expectation is for them to sit in rows, face forward, not move and, and eyes straight ahead, we're, we're not going to meet that expectation. Uh, as, a, as someone who is hyperactive and doesn't sit still very well, um, I wouldn't be successful walking in and being said, okay, sit in that chair, don't move, don't talk, because we have to relearn it. So, so we're, mm. we're, what I'm asking for our, our, our teachers who, who are giving me great ideas and a phenomenal staff, I couldn't be happier uh, with the team that we have, is to work with parents on, you know what, let's, let's do this together. There are going to be some hurdles, we, with, without a doubt. We will, we will have some hurdles. We will face challenges, uh, but, but with understanding collaboration and communication, we, we can work through them. Keith, I, I can't even express how, how proud I am of how hard you've worked and how well you have led all of us. Um, you've brought up some really interesting points. And I, I think that 
that's a great way to say, you know, it's all going to come down to communication. It's all going to come down to getting to know and starting over, right? Like if, if we had more time, we, we could, we could totally talk about like, what does this do to a young generation to be locked in your homes basically for months and months on end where you take away sports, where you take away social interaction, you take away routine and structure. And so many of the things that feel familiar, right? right? Whether it's you go to church on Sundays or you do ball practice on Thursday night, like whatever that looks like, what does that do to a child and the resiliency of a child when they're now suddenly in the school again? And so I'm so thankful that you are thinking about that and preparing for that because none of us know the answer, right? And I think that it it varies based off of the personality of the child and what they do if they've felt that kind of constrained for that long. Not to mention what all of our concerns are as parents is the amount of time a lot of our kids have spent with screens, right? Not just for school and fourth quarter, but now video games, because what do you do with your child other than TV video games in their downtime? Because so many of our kids, that's how they're getting that social interaction right now. There's so much that they're going to have to relearn. So, um, I think I want to end with one final question for you. Um, And I'm kind of hesitant to do it because it was such a great way to end to say that we all just need to be compassionate and communicate just a little bit better. But I'm very curious, you know, we started this conversation with you talking about how you went and got your doctorate and you were setting these five families on military transition and what it took for a child to do well academically and developmentally and be a kind of mobile military kid, right? Right. Since you have done that study and now having had the experience of um, leading these schools and staff and um, and now going through what we've been through in the last, you know, just even six months, what would you say you have learned um, that maybe the top three things, if you could pick that, like what are the top three things that you've noticed that a child um, needs or, or has, or what needs to be present for that child to do well in school, even though we might be moving as frequently as military families do. I know that might be a tough question, but it it, it is a tough question, but, but I I honestly can't think of much more of an important question than that, Corey. That's, that's, that's a, a, it's such a large topic and, but the aspects of what a child needs have changed, like you said, from from six months ago. Um, if if you asked me six months ago this question, my answer might be different. Uh, but but right now, one of one of the top ones, and these wouldn't necessarily be in rank order, uh, but but I would say social emotional support is one, and um, that can be defined in in, in many ways. Uh, whether that's social emotional from the family unit, how, how does that? look. Uh, is there some family time now? Um, as I said, five boys, video games is a big thing right now. And that's how they're talking to their friends. Uh, but, but I miss my boys too. So, so I want to have some conversations. We take the dog on a walk. We, you know, we watch some TV shows together as simple as that is. Um, but that social emotional aspect of, of the family relationship is very important. Uh, the, the next layer of that social emotional relationship is, is really between the school and the student. And, that's one thing that was so important from, from the teachers uh, at Fort Leavenworth this year is they missed that. That was one of the hardest aspects is they just wanted to see their kids, talk to their kids, see the smiling faces. Uh, I, I had staff tell me, Keith, I'm afraid I'm going to cry on Zoom uh, in front of my kids and scare them. And, and my response was, uh, I, 
than, than hold up a piece of paper that says, I miss you while you're crying behind it, but, but understand your kids are probably going to be crying too. And, and mm. that social emotional relationship between the, the, the school and the teachers and the students is very important. Um, a third aspect would be the social emotional support of kids with kids. How do they play again? How do they get outside? Um, is it is it uh, uh, sports, which we don't even know the future of, of organized athletics? Uh, is it play at recess? Is it physical education? What is it to help them integrate uh, social emotionally with with each other? And, and I think social emotional between the parents and the staff and the teachers is also important. Help us help the parents. And, and have the parents help us help them with their kids because that greater understanding is, is significant. So social emotional is, is such a, bi- a big piece. Uh, vulnerability of, of change and under vulnerability, we, we could define that as flexibility, uh, uh, you know, kind of playing offense and playing defense, addressing the unknown. Um, there, there will be things that happen that we have to address on the fly. Our natural response as, as adults, as parents, as educators is, well, here's what you should do, or here's what I need to do. Um, but that's not necessarily the right thing for everyone. So that vulnerability of understanding that there, there's going to be a give and take, there's going to be an up and down, um, there's going to be some challenges, some disagreements, but we, we've got to work through it. And, and it's not personal. It's it's for the right reasons. It's for the kids. And, and, and that's a, a number one, that everything that, that I do and that I ask our staff to do and that, I, that our, our parents do is for the success of kids. And while I have five boys of my own, biological, I also consider that the, the, the almost 1,900 kids here is my own. And, and what would I do for them shouldn't be any different than what I would do for my own five. And so um, I, I'll never get parent of the world of the year. Uh, I've made mistakes as a parent and I've made mistakes as an administrator, but I will always try and make the mistake right for helping kids and, and never have it be uh, something that, that doesn't support them. Um, and, and then just understanding, uh, understanding that this is new for all of us. We, we've had conversations with staff. I've had conversations with post command and, and families of uh, every situation is different from loss of employment to, uh, to, to um, the lack of, of interest in learning anymore from home because it's not at school. And so having an understanding of, of what we need to do to just chip away at it. There's, you know, I'm, I'm working on a plan for what reintegration looks like for staff and students. Uh, we're working on a curriculum plan for instruction, what that looks like for staff and students. And it's not going to be a catch all. It's going to be as best as we can get. And we're going to adjust on the fly. And, and I think those are the, the, the aspects from social emotional to uh, vulnerability, flexibility and, and understanding. And, and with all of those, the, the overarching theme has to be communication. Keith, thank you so much for your honesty. I can also honestly say as a parent, that's the most important quality in my experience of you and the district and all the schools and the staff there is that you cared about my kids. And that came through in every interaction, in every phone call, and in every parent meeting. I'm in my kids' experience with your teachers as well. And so I can't thank you enough for giving us a fantastic year, even during a pandemic, um, where our kids grew, they made friends, they um, <laughs> 
developed as they should have. And, um, and it really experienced the relief of what it feels like as a military kid to be loved. So thank you so much for that time. And thank you for joining me for the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. 